Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. The question I'm going to ask, how many of you here today started coming to Emmanuel in this building? Which would, so raise your hands, this would be like 2009. Okay, so look around. How many of you started coming to Emmanuel before that when we were in the old building over in Sydney? Okay, a little bit less. So, there are so many new people coming to Emmanuel week in and week out that I want us just to sit back and remember who we are as a church. Whether you've been coming here for a long time, whether this is your first Sunday, I wanted to share with you what Emmanuel's all about. And so it's very interesting. Back in 2008, we were waiting for this building to be constructed. And so they poured the concrete foundation, and because there was a steel shortage, We had to wait for about four or five months before there was any real construction. So there was just this big slab of concrete that you're sitting on right now. And and one day, I was out here. I was standing on this little thing because this was built up. And I was standing out there in, in this field. And one of our former elders, Mike Lauer, pulled up in his truck and he came up. He says, is everything okay, Sean? What's wrong? And I'm like, well, Mike, I'm just praying. Sometimes I come out to this property and I pray and I visualize what it's going to be like when all of us gather together in the new building and, and what it would be like. So often I would go out to the foundation, just a slab of concrete, and I would pray over the congregation. I'd think about, hey, this is where I'm going to preach. And of course, it's, it's coming up almost 15 years now. It's hard to believe that we've been in this building. But here's the point. It was just a foundation. There were no walls. There was no plumbing. There was no windows. There was nothing. It was just a foundation. And our church has never been about the building. We've never talked about the church being a building. The church is the people of God connected together in community. But I was reminded that while I was out there many years ago on a foundation, there needs to be a building up on that foundation. So in the months ensuing, in 2009, the the building came together that, that you're in today. But spiritually, you need to be on the foundation of Christ and to be built up in Him. And so last week, I challenged you from the book of Hebrews to memorize that passage of Scripture, but the main point of last week's sermon was that God equips you with everything you need to do His will. God equips you. But today, I want to focus specifically on how God does that. How God specifically equips you in 2024 to do His will. And so we're just going to go back to the basics. Whether you've been coming to this church for many, many years, or maybe this is your first Sunday, what is the mission of the church. What is our mission as Emmanuel Baptist Church? What are we called to do? Well, Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, 
but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. Give glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So the first thing that we do as a church is we display God's glory. It's all about God's glory. It's everything about putting His glory on display. But not only do we display God's glory, but there's a second aspect of what we're supposed to do as a church. Jesus tells us in Mark 1, 14-15, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then Luke 24, 45-47, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. So we display God's glory, but secondly, we declare God's gospel. God's glory, God's gospel. And then what's the third thing that we do? It comes from the words of Jesus again, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the third thing we do is we disciple for God's great commission. So display God's glory, declare God's gospel, disciple for God's great commission. And there's a lot of confusion about what is disciple making? What does it mean to make disciples of all the nations? Well, it involves baptizing new believers. It involves telling people about Jesus. It involves teaching. But ultimately, when you distill it down, disciple-making is summed up in Colossians 1, 28-29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So what is disciple-making? Disciple-making is helping you to be mature. Or as Peter would say it in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So we want you to grow. We want you to mature in Christ. We want to make disciples. We want you to be a growing, maturing disciple. But how do we do that? How do we foster? How do we facilitate? How do we encourage it? I can't cause it to happen. Only the Holy Spirit can do this work of growth. Remember last week, God works in you to do this. Pastor Sean doesn't work in you. Only the Holy Spirit works in you. But as a leader, as the spiritual leaders of the church, we can facilitate a process or a strategy or a wheel, as some people call it, to help you understand how to mature. So let's look at what the early church did. In your Bibles, if you've got your Bible open to Acts chapter 2, 
This is not all that the early church did, but it does give us a snapshot into how the early church structured themselves, what they did, how they practiced being together as a body of believers. And from this passage of Scripture, we see a blueprint for how we are to operate as a church. So what I'm sharing with you this morning is not, hey, Pastor Sean and and Dustin and the elders made up some cool thing. No, we believe this comes directly from the Scriptures. And so everything we do as a church has to come from God's inspired Word. So let's read this together. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. This is the tail end of Peter's sermon on Pentecost. Verse 41, and so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they, those baptized believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So in your bulletin, you can pull out the wheel, the graphic, the discipleship pathway. This is just a visual way for you to see a process. It's not necessarily linear. It's, it's circular in the sense that you can kind of join on the pathway at any step along the way. But there are four components of the pathway. It starts up at the top with worship biblically. Then it moves to connect relationally. Then grow intentionally. And then serve generously. Worship, connect, grow, serve. So, those are the four aspects of the pathway. And so what I want you to think about as we start 2024, this is the first sermon in 2024. Here's the question you need to ask. And I'm going to ask this at the end of the sermon, so be prepared to hear it twice. First question. Where are you right now on the pathway? And I'm going to explain it. Where are you right now on the pathway? But more importantly, what's the next step you need to take to grow? What's the next avenue or thing you need to participate in to be a growing, maturing disciple on the pathway? So, let's look briefly. This is just an overview sermon. We introduced this back in September, so this is not new. But there are so many new people coming to Emmanuel that we want to keep it fresh. We also want to just let you know as we start the new year, this is something that, to think about is making commitments. Everybody's in those commitment modes of, of making New Year's resolutions or commitments. And so, worship biblically. This is what we're doing right now. This is where we gather together to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to singing, to celebrating the Lord's Supper, which we're going to be doing later on, to confessing our sins, to praying. And so worshiping biblically just means that we gather together on Sunday mornings as a church family to worship the Lord the way he's told us to worship him biblically. Psalm 29, 1 through 2, ascribe To the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in splendor and holiness. That's what we want to do this morning. We want to worship the Lord in splendor and holiness. 
And we've been doing that through singing, through confessing of sins, through prayers, through fellowship. Now we're worshiping God through the preaching of his word. We're going to worship him in just a few moments when we take the Lord's Supper. Colossians 3, 16 through 17. Let the word of Christ, let his scripture dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what we've been doing this morning. We've been singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whenever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So we gather for worship, we gather for singing, we gather for prayer. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and that Greek word exhortation can really be translated preaching and to teaching. So we've been doing that this morning. We've had the public reading of God's Word. Right now I'm preaching and teaching. And what does God's Word do? When you're under it, when you hear it, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This word's active. It's living. It pierces us. And then Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Meeting together, gathering together. Notice back in our text here, they devoted themselves. Strong word in the original language. They devoted themselves. They, they passionately attended to the apostles' teaching to being together, to hear the teaching, to, to worship together, to break bread, to, to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So worshiping biblically as we start the new year should be your number one priority, to gather on the Lord's Day on Sunday mornings with your church family to worship the Lord biblically through singing, through praying, through fellowshipping, through hearing sermons, through the Lord's Supper, gathering together for biblical worship. And most, of the, most people, in the, and that's where they kind of enter the pathway, the, the biggest number of people in our church that are involved in, the, in, the, in the, the largest event is the Sunday morning worship service. So a lot of people are already on the pathway. If you're coming on Sunday mornings consistently, you're on the pathway. You're, you're worshiping biblically. But let me challenge you to take the next step. So it's, it's good to worship biblically. It's good to be together as a church family. It's good to be in a worship service. But here's the problem of being in a worship service. Not necessarily a problem. It's the issue. This is a monologue. Well, it's supposed to be a monologue. You can't talk back to me when I'm up here. I mean, you can. Maybe under your breath, did he really say that to your husband or to your wife? So it's really more of a participatory where you sing, but you, you receive preaching in a large group setting. Now, the next aspect of the pathway is called connect relationally. Now, you can connect relationally with maybe the people that you came with or the people that you're sitting by, but to truly have a church family knit together, the way that Andrea shared earlier, to connect relationally, there has to be some type of a smaller group atmosphere. And you see this in Acts chapter 2. Notice what it says there. Look at verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together. Okay, the temple, that's the large group worship. That's what we're doing right here. And breaking bread in their homes. 
They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They also met in homes. They also met in smaller groups. How do 3,000 people that got saved that first day, how, how, how do needs get met? How do they know each other's needs? How do they connect relationally? They had to have some type of small group structure. And so our small group structure is what we call growth groups. So the best way to connect relationally is to get involved in a growth group. These growth groups meet all different times. They, most of them meet at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Some of them meet throughout the week in homes. But this is a smaller group of maybe about 10 to 12 to 15, maybe up to 20 people where you can know each other, you can pray for each other, you can discuss the Bible together, you can, you can practice what the Bible calls the gospel one another's. There's, the Bible talks about the one another's. Now, I don't know how many there are. There's a lot of one another's. Let's just look at a few of them this morning. One another's. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Okay, we, we have a welcome time, right? Where you welcome each other. And that's good. It's kind of mass chaos when everybody's shaking hands and you know, from up here you see everything going. That's good. But I think it's more than just, hey, shaking somebody's hand on a Sunday morning during the worship. Welcome one another means you're receiving or accepting each other into your lives. You're welcoming one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of peace and love will be with you. Comfort one another. Galatians 6, 1-3, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Bearing one another's burdens. You know, a lot of you may be coming into this place carrying a burden. And as your pastor, I don't want anybody to be alone in that burden. I don't want anybody to feel like, you know what, I'm, I have to carry this burden all by myself and there's nobody to come alongside me. We as a church family should be coming alongside of each other and carrying those burdens and comforting one another and encouraging one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. And then 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, we can do that in a large group setting, but not as good as you can in a smaller group. In a growth group, you can forgive, you can love, you can pray, you can discuss, you can know. See, one of the beauties of a growth group is that you can know others and be known by others. Worship biblically, you can walk into this room and walk out and not really have a connection with anybody. You can pop in, you can pop out. In a growth group, you have relationship. You have connection. You, you study the Bible together. You pray together. You bear the burdens of one another. And so, let me just challenge you, if you're not part of one of our growth groups, come talk to me, talk to one of our elders. We'd love to get you plugged into a growth group where you can begin to start the new year connecting 
relationally. So, worship biblically. Connect relationally. Now, there's another aspect that we know not everybody's going to participate in this, but we want to provide you an opportunity, and that's grow intentionally. So, you need to listen to preaching. You need to be in the corporate worship service, singing, praising, praying, Lord's Supper. You, you really need to be in a growth group where you have a, a, a group of people that you can do Bible study together. But there's that extra equipping, that extra level of growth. And so what we've discovered is the best way to grow intentionally is in a D group, short for a discipleship group. Now, what's a discipleship group? We're about ready to launch a bunch of these, actually, here in a few weeks. Actually, one of them's launching this week. So a discipleship group is a gender-specific, so men with men, women with women, group of about three to five, where you covenant together to meet for a specific amount of time. You meet weekly. It's, it's not a Bible study. It's more of accountability. There's Scripture memory. There's learning the Scriptures together. There's asking those deep questions. It's going a little bit deeper than just a Bible study. And so if you're interested in wanting to be a part of a D group, there is a sign-up out there I'd like to know because we have a lot of leaders that are ready to begin launching these D groups and we need more people to participate. I think right now there's about four or five women's groups that are about ready to start and maybe about three or four men's groups that are about to start. But if you want to be part of a D group, now this, again, it's not, a, it's not like a Bible study, like a growth group. This is like, okay, I'm committing to journal, read my Bible, memorize scripture, high accountability to a group of three to five people, and I'm going to commit for about like a six-month period of time to do this. And so there's that whole idea of growing deeper, growing intentionally. So one of the things that a D group is going to help you do is Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Getting into the scriptures so that you can meditate and grow. Dustin read this earlier, Colossians 2, 6-8. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So we want you to be established, rooted, equipped, able to share your faith, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So when you're in a D group, you're being equipped and empowered to serve, to be a leader, to be more equipped to share your faith. And so here's the, here's the fourth aspect of the of the discipleship pathway if you are worshiping biblically in corporate worship and also in private worship where you're taking in the bible privately you're part of a growth group where you're in in-depth bible study with other believers and you're part of a d group not necessarily have to be in a d group but if you want to be in a d group then hopefully what will happen is we will have a lot of people in a manual serving generously serving generously notice what we see here in acts what were they doing they're serving one another. 
Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were meeting needs. They were having things in common. And they were also doing evangelism. Notice it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now God is sovereign in that salvation. The Lord's the one that's adding their number day by day, but they're the ones that are going out and sharing the gospel. So what we want to see in serving generously is you being sent out to serve and to share. Share the gospel and serve others. Jesus said to his disciples in John 17, 8, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We want you sent out into the world, to your jobs, to your your neighborhoods, to uh, your schools, to your clubs. Wherever you are, you're being sent out to serve others and to share the gospel. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we want you to be witnesses, to, to share the gospel. But then we also want you to serve. 1 Peter 4, 10-11, As each has received a gift, a spiritual gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You have a spiritual gift if you're a believer. Use it to serve others in the body of Christ. Colossians 4, 3-4. At the same time, pray also for me that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So we want to see you be equipped to begin to share your faith, to serve others with your gifts, How can you be equipped to do that? Well, when you think about these things, when you worship biblically, you're being equipped. You're being equipped through being together. You're being equipped through sermons. You're being equipped by singing together. You're being equipped to go out. But also, if you're connected relationally in a growth group, you're also being equipped with other believers. You're in a relationship with other believers. You're studying the Bible together. You're being equipped. And if you're part of a growth group or a D group, then you're really getting equipped And then hopefully through that process, you're not just keeping it to yourself, but you're serving and you're sharing and you're extending yourself out to serve and and, and to be in other people's lives. So, what's the outcome? What should the outcome be? If you go through this process, is it just, okay, I went through the wheel, the wheel of fortune. I went went through the wheel. What's the outcome? If if you take seriously, okay, I'm going to commit to worshiping biblically, I'm going to commit to connecting relationally, I'm going to commit to growing intentionally, and I'm going to commit to serving generously, what's the outcome? Well, here's the outcome. You become an obedient disciple of Jesus. What did Jesus tell us in the Great Commission? Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. This is about obedience. Jesus says, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. James 1, 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So ultimately, we want you equipped, but what, what we really want to see is obedient disciples. So how do you measure obedience based upon these four aspects? Well, as a good pastor who starts everything with the same letter to make, to make alliteration work, 
we really want to see you guys do four th- these four things. An obedient disciple saturate themselves in the word and prayer. You're saturating yourselves in God's word. You're saturating yourself in God's prayer. That, that's what an obedient disciple looks like. First and foremost, you're saturating yourself. You're, you're inundating yourself with God's word and prayer. But secondly, disciples strengthen others. We not only want you to saturate yourself in the Bible, but we want you to strengthen others through selfless love and fellowship. You be a source of strength to others. Number three, disciples serve others. So you saturate yourself in the word, you strengthen others, and you serve others through your spiritual gifts. And what else do you do? Disciples share the gospel with courage and clarity. So we want you to saturate yourself in the Bible. We want you to strengthen others with love and compassion. We want you to serve others with your gift, and we want you to share the gospel. That's what an obedient disciple looks like. If you just distill it down to four things, what what, what does an obedient disciple of Jesus Christ look like that's growing and maturing? You're saturating yourself in God's word and your prayer. You are strengthening others in those deep relationships of love and service. You're serving others with spiritual gifts, and you're sharing the gospel with clarity and with courage. Now, how how do you do that? Well, you have to have a process to help you do that. It doesn't come automatically. It's not an automatic process. It doesn't just happen without intentionality or a strategy. So, the pathway is a process to help you get to where you need to be. And everybody's on a different stage of growth. And that's okay. That's how God's created us. Not everybody's at the stage of growth. So the question again is, where are you right now on the pathway? And what next step would God be leading you to take as we start 2024? How is God nudging you? How's God motivating you? How's God leading you to take the next step in your growth? Because what's the promise? Well, here's the promise. We heard it last week. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, even Jesus Christ, I think I got it wrong, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, I better look at it. By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you. He promises to equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory forever and ever. Amen. God promises to equip us. God promises to work in us. And that's a great blessing, but it's not automatic. There's a process. There's involvement. There's steps that you may need to take for God to lead you in that growth. And let me just stop and say this. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the great shepherd of the sheep who died on the cross and rose again, you can't even begin to understand this pathway because you're not on it yet. You you can't even begin to understand how you grow in Christ until you have a relationship with Christ. And so if you're here today and you you don't have that relationship with Christ, you, you haven't trusted Jesus for salvation, you know in your heart of hearts that you stand 
against this God because of your sin. You're in rebellion, and you know in your heart of hearts that you have sinned against this holy God. Would you please cry out to Jesus to forgive you, to cleanse you, and he stands ready, willing, and able to receive anybody who comes to him in repentance and faith. So if you repent in Jesus and you believe in him, he will receive you as his child, and then you can start the growth process. But you've got to receive him first as Savior and Lord. What better day than the first Sunday in 2024 than to feel the weight of your sin and to know that Jesus is a perfect Savior and to cast yourself on him for eternal life. So, we make it our aim to please Jesus in all that we do, and to him belongs the glory forever and ever. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, I want us to think about Jesus being our great shepherd. The great shepherd of the sheep. But he's also our equipper. He's our shepherd and our equipper and our sovereign. He leads us, he equips us, and he loves us. So let us approach the throne of grace this morning in the Lord's Supper with great joy and great thankfulness that we serve a risen Savior who promises to equip us with everything that we need. I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on you about, hey, you got to get on the pathway, and if you're not, you're not a good Christian. I'm just basically saying this is a process to help you grow. You pray about where God would lead you on that process. You pray about your next steps. But most of all, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he promises to equip you. He promises to empower you. He loves you. He died for you. And as we go before him in the Lord's Supper this morning, let us praise him that he's the great shepherd of the sheep. So let me ask you to bow your heads this morning as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper together. If you rose Jesus from the grave, Jesus, we're thankful that you are the great shepherd of the sheep who by the blood of the eternal covenant died in our place, took God's wrath, and rose again. And not only, Jesus, are you our shepherd, but you're our equipper. You promise to equip us with everything that we need. And Holy Spirit, you promise to work in us that which is pleasing. And so we want to be obedient disciples. We want to be those that saturate ourselves in the word and prayer. We want to be those that strengthen others in loving relationships. We want to be those that serve others with our gifts, and we want to be those that share the gospel with courage and clarity. And the only way we can do that is through your grace alone and your power in our lives. So thank you, Jesus, that you've not left us to our own devices, but you equip us through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do. And as we come to the Lord's Supper, as we come to your table this morning, we count it a great privilege to be able to worship you for your shed blood, worship you for your body being broken, worship you for being our great Savior. So Jesus, thank you for being the great shepherd of the sheep. And we ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen.